Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Cheers to a great day and this ice cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Basketball Talk podcast and PBT Extra podcast. A little bit different today. No Corey Robinson. We're bringing in another guest, Sean Hyken from the Rose Garden Report, covering the Trailblazers to talk NBA draft. Sean, incredibly knowledgeable, a little bit shorter than Corey Robinson. but, but <laughs> uh, I don't have no. the same genes that he has. No, he he, he comes with some, uh, some genetic gifts, but... Very knowledgeable about the draft. Sean, thanks for coming in here, man. Uh, how you doing, Kurt? Good to talk I, to you. It's good to talk to you, Sean. Of course, worked with me at NBC for a long time and now uh, covering the Blazers full time for his own the, subscription his own newsletter. Subscri- I was going to go, what do I want to call this eventually? Yeah. That's kind of what it, I mean, if, if people are familiar with like what James Hamm is doing in Sacramento or what like Scott Agnes is doing in Indiana. Those are just a couple off the top of my head. Obviously Stein is doing it at the national level, but that's kind of a different thing, but right. Exactly. You could, uh, but there's podcasts, there's subscription writing. And if you're a trailblazers fan, look, this is the best place to get information. And right now, Sean trailblazers are right in the middle of everything. Aren't they one week until showtime, man, one week. Uh, we'll start there. I mean, Obviously, we're, we we were joking about it before we came on. It, there's not much drama at number one. The, the Spurs take Wembyamba at number one, but then the real drama starts with the number two and three pick being available. Uh, let's get the look. Let's get the thing everybody's going to ask out of the way up top. You've heard, I think, the exact same thing that I've heard from everyone, which is Portland's not looking to trade Lillard they're looking to trade the pick they they want to the plan is still to build around him and build a playoff threat team around him yes that's that's correct I've heard nothing I've heard nothing from their end that that's not what they're thinking I've heard nothing from Dame's end that he wants to leave so I I think I I understand why it keeps being a topic but it's as of right now it's not a thing really from either side right now right and it's my impression has always been it would have to come from Lillard's side. Ultimately, I mean, maybe Portland, in theory, could at some point go to him and say, look, man, so, sort of like what's about to happen in Washington, right? Like, right. hey, hey, Bradley, we're done. We're rebuilding this thing. Can we trade you? And how can we? And and, and in Pike, in uh, Lillard's case, it would be very much a, right, how can we help you get where you want to go? I think there'd be a certain amount of that, right? But they're not, not anywhere to close the, to that. Not to the degree even that it would be for Beal. The thing of the difference between the two of their situations <laughs> is that Beal has a no trade clause, so he literally can control where he goes. Whereas with Portland, I think if it ever came to that, I don't even think if it came to it, he would go to them and say, I want to be traded. I think it would be 
they would they would go to him and say we're going to go in another direction we want to rebuild and he wouldn't fight it i think that's more what it would be but i think even if it were to come to that which again it has not come to that i is not close to coming to that uh they would want to do him a solid and get him to a decent situation but i don't think they would let him say for example I only want to go to Miami and then, okay, we'll just take pennies on the dollar to get you to Miami. They would need to make a deal that actually makes sense for them. And part of why, and I wrote this recently, even if he were to go to them and say, I want to be traded, they're not going to trade him unless they have a deal. They like, they are not, they like, they could just, he's under contract for four more years. And I don't think he's really wired to do what James Harden did and hold out a training camp and make it into a problem. So, you know, I, I I understand that this is the time of year where oh this star could be available for trade like let's talk about it all the time but it I, genuinely from all sides from his side and the Blazers side the idea of Damian Lillard being available for a trade wanting to be traded it's just it's it's not a thing right now right if I I did write this today and I I do believe this if I'm in Miami shoes I might be a little bit patient with the Beal thing until after the draft just to see because at the end of the day. Lillard is a, at this point in their careers, and frankly, at most points in their careers, but at this point right now, Lillard is a vastly superior player to Bradley Beal, a Mm -hmm. more reliable player. He's better when he's on the court. He is more likely to be on the court and healthy. So I would wait just a little, just to be sure, because I know who I'd want if it came up, but they're going to go after, look, like we said, neither of us think there's a Damian Lillard trade coming any time in the imminent future, near future, and Washington will move on and get their guy. And that kind of brings us to, they're looking to trade the pick. And is this all about Scoot? Is this kind of like teams positioning them from themselves for Scoot? And so Charlotte's in play trying to see what they can get for the pick, maybe? Not necessarily. I mean, I think the consensus for months has been that, you know, it's Wemby one, Scoot two. Just the fact that Charlotte, you know, for for whatever's out there as far as noise and, you know, you don't know where anything is coming from, but just the idea that Charlotte might actually want Brandon Miller. I have heard that there are other teams. Washington is actually one, speaking of Bradley Beal. I don't think there's really any trade that's workable with him for the second or the third no, pick. But, I don't but, think so either. But, but, yeah. but just to give you an example, Washington is a team that I've heard in the last few days is interested in moving up into the top two or three and that they're zeroing in on Brandon Miller as what they would want to do if they moved up. So I don't think they're the only team that feels that way. So I don't think it's just, you know, if, you know, like, but but like, like, for example, like, I don't think a trade for Portland with New Orleans, which I'm sure we're going to get to, would be on the table if Charlotte takes Scoot at two, because it's very obvious and very well known that, the reason New Orleans wants to move up is because they want Scoot. I don't think they're interested in moving up and giving up the same stuff that it would take to move up to take Brandon Miller, for example. But there are other teams. Like, I don't think the value of Portland's pick around the league just completely tails off if Scoot goes number two. I think there are still teams that would be very interested in moving up to draft Brandon Miller. You've looked at both of them pretty closely, I imagine, a little bit, or at least done some research. What do you think? I... I Look, Brandon Miller can shoot. He looks like a prototypical wing. But I got to say that when I've seen Scoot, and then I've had the chance to kind of talk to him uh, All-Star Weekend this year, he impresses me as a person. He is so explosive athletically that 
All right, I get it. I get the concern about the jump shot. Dude's young and going to figure it out. And I just think, I, I don't know. He just strikes me as, I, I'm not a scout. He just struck me as a, and I don't know Brandon Miller that much outside of seeing him on tape, but Scoot strikes me as a guy who could be an absolute beast in this league. I can second what you said about being really impressed with Scoot as a person. The Blazers brought him in for a workout a couple weeks ago, and we did a little bit of a interview media, you know, one of those media scrum sessions with right. him afterwards. Very, very impressed with him in that way, and I've never heard anything but great things about him from that regard. It's obviously with Portland, the fit is a little bit weird because he's a six foot two point guard, and they kind of have one of those who they're ostensibly still trying to build everything around. It's not as much of a redundant thing as like a Lillard McCollum thing was, or you know what they have currently yeah. with him and Anthony Simons because they're different types of players. Uh, the, 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 the player comps, and I'll fully admit, I haven't watched nearly as much G League Ignite as some other folks who are in kind of the draft scouting space. I'm not like a, you know, I start, I start learning about these guys when the pre-draft process starts. So I'm not like the expert on Scoot, but the comparisons that I've seen for him are, you know, Russell Westbrook and John Morant and pre-injury Derek Rose, which, you know, yeah. if he hits that ceiling, that's obviously a damn good player, but that's a very different kind of player than what Damian Lillard is. And so I think the thought is that even, you know, with the size issues and the defensive issues that would come with that, uh, you could figure out a way to make it work. The question is, you know, how psyched would Dame be about bringing in a yeah. guard that is going to have to be, play that much if he's going to be as good as people say he's going to be? And how does that match up with him wanting to have a chance to contend? Brandon Miller, they haven't brought in actually yet for a workout. I believe that's going to happen at some point in the next, I mean, it obviously has to happen in the next week, but I, I have been told it's going to happen soon. So that's going to happen soon. I, you know, that that's, you know, you, you would think just on paper, that's a little bit more of a clean fit. You know, there's a reason that Charlotte is thinking that maybe he's a better fit next to LaMelo ball than yeah. Dude Henderson would be. So, you know, you would think he's like a prototypical three and D guy. Obviously there's some off court stuff with him too. That's going to have to be, addressed with whatever team he uh ends up getting drafted by but again the Blazers haven't brought him in yet so I don't know how that conversation went I would imagine it's going to have to be a conversation that they have at some point that so I I don't know you know where they where they value and I will also say this they have not only brought in those two for workouts they've brought in as far as guys like they've been doing workouts for the whole month most of the guys they brought in have been guys that might be in play with the 23rd pick, which is what they have, or, you know, in the second round, a lot of it is kind of projected, you know, lower guys. But as far as, you know, guys that could potentially be in play for the third pick, they brought in Scoot. They're going to bring in Miller at some point in the next couple of days. They brought in both of the twins, Amanda and Asar Thompson from Overtime Elite. And they brought in yesterday, they brought in Cam Whitmore from Villanova, who's projected to go in the top five. So I don't know how much of this is, just posturing that, hey, you know, we're totally happy to keep the pick if we don't see an offer we like. But they have been doing their due diligence about not just Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, but some other guys who could potentially, you know, be in play, you know, in that spot if they decide to keep the pick. Yeah. By the way, everything I've heard about Miller, who's like a six nine wing, is that he he's the prototypical typical potential modern NBA wing, athletic, mobile, creates his own shot, catches and shoots well. Although. Everybody's talking about scoot shots. 
Miller's shot faded at the second half of the season, three for 19 against San Diego State in the in the NCAA tournament. I don't know how much of a concern that is. I, again, I don't want to put a whole lot on one game, and I haven't watched a ton of him. But the idea is that he is – that's a position of need. Everybody is looking for two-way elite wings. That is a – that is a path to contention. So I, and by the way, if you've got, if you're Charlotte and you've got LaMelo ball, that seems a natural fit, right? Like you, Hey, secondary wing shot creator next to LaMelo ball. And suddenly, you know, you really got something. Um, I will also say I've heard nothing, but Whitmore seems to be the guy on the rise, doesn't he? Like he's the guy out of Villanova. I keep hearing about. Yeah. Hey, people, people like him. I've talked to scouts that are very high on him. I've, you know, I would also say that the twins have have done very well in a lot of these workouts. And if you want to talk about pure upside, which is something I know Portland's front office values uh, pretty highly, which you know we're going to get to, I'm sure, with some of the trade possibilities that are on the table. But uh, yeah. I have heard a few people say who really you know do this stuff you know all the time as far as evaluating you know amateur prospects or you know draft guys that Amen Thompson might be the best athlete they have ever evaluated yes. in the draft. So if you want to look at just like the pure upside play, you know, maybe even like one of the twins could be something somebody that they yeah. you know go go to. Like there are like I think there's this idea that, you know, it's Wemby is obviously in his own tier and then it's just, you know, Scoot and Miller are in their own tiers. I think I think that a lot of teams think that Scoot is number two behind Wemby, but I think there may be a little bit more, you know, split between, you know, some teams might like one of the twins more than Miller. Some teams might like Whitmore more than Miller. Like there, I think, and you kind of see this happen every year. Usually there's even in like years where like, remember, remember a year ago, like we all were going into the week of the draft thinking that it was like locked in that Jabari Smith was going to be the number one pick. And then like a day before the draft, suddenly the betting lines all just moved crazy. Like, like there was just this crazy shift of like, suddenly Paolo Bancaro is like the heavy betting favor to be the number one pick. And then he ends up being the number one pick. That's why I, as much as like, it would be better for Portland if Scoot is there at three, both because you know if, if you think he has the prospect with the is the prospect with the highest upside on the board that you know that's who you'd want if you're going to keep the pick, but also that you might get different offers for that pick if he's there. I have to wonder if how much of a consensus there is that Charlotte likes Brandon Miller and is going to go yeah. with him at number two. I have to wonder how much of that is a similar thing to the Jabari Smith Paolo stuff from last year, where it's just going to shift like the night before the draft and suddenly, Oh, now they're zeroed in on Scoot Henderson. Yep. I think that that's distinctly possible. And uh, by the way, as a side note, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, we can talk about it off air. I'm not going to do it on air. I have been walked through the TikTok of how, um, not, not the, not the app, the, the TikTok is in how it went down minute by minute of how the, the line started shifting and how that, how that all happened. It's kind of fascinating. And someday yeah. our mutual friend, Matt Moore. Yes. He's really a guy who reporting, reporting on that, on the action network that yes, was, he, 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 I don't know how much, I don't, I don't think he went through everything he told me because I know he couldn't nail quite. Right, 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 right. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I personally don't gamble. So I don't like, no, but, I don't like either. but I still like, I find that when when something crazy like that happens where there's just this radical shift in what the lines are like I find that stuff fascinating to follow. 
yeah, it was a, it's a fascinating, someday, if it's not Matt, somebody will be able to pu- nail it all and publish it. It's fascinating. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm with you that that could all change. But what? Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Let's talk a little bit about, like, like, there was suddenly a lot of buzz about the, particularly the New Orleans Pelicans having interest in that number two pick. And I guess this comes down to this. I mean, from Portland's perspective, let's say for, let's say for fun, Henderson falls for three, Scoot falls to three. They'd jump at Zion, wouldn't they? Even with all the risk, they'd probably have to do it, right? I think it would depend on what his medicals came back with. I think they would need to see yeah. a lot of that stuff. And by by that, I mean they would have to. It would have. It would have to be because, like, like it, they would have to feel confident that it's not anything structural with any of this stuff. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I don't think the Clippers are looking to trade Kawhi Leonard, but me right, personally, yeah. I would not trade for Kawhi Leonard just because. We know that he has a degenerative knee condition that is just always going to be there and is never going to get better and is always something that's going to have to be monitored where he can maybe only play half or two-thirds of a season and it's just going to be like that for the rest of his career. You know, going back further, like, you know, Brandon Roy, degenerative knee condition, Lonzo Ball, right. obviously, right now, those are extreme examples. But if the intel on Zion was that there was something like that in play where, like, it's going to be something that's just always going to be there and is never going to get better then I think at that point they might say, yeah, this isn't worth the risk. But if it's really just like he had this hamstring stuff this past year, he's had a knee surgery, he's had a foot surgery, and those are all just stress injuries where if he loses some weight and gets in better shape, maybe that stuff isn't going to be recurring. Then at that point, yeah, I think they ultimately would take the swing on it. If you're Portland and you're in this win-now spot, would you push for Brandon Ingram over Zion, uh, who is... Again, when he plays, and and he's got a reputation for kind of sitting with relatively minor injuries and not wanting to play unless he feels perfect. But man, he's shot creating wing, all star level shot creating wing who does a lot of good things when he's on the court. Would that be the preference, or would you still have to go with Zion? I don't think they're that interested in Ingram. Actually, I okay. I just just knowing what I know about this front office and how they operate. I'll like I'll I'll give I'll give you an example of kind of just how and this is a pretty limited sample size of this front office because Joe Cronin took over as general manager right. in December of 21 after they fired Neil Olshay and so he's basically had you know two trade deadlines one draft and one free agency process for us to kind of be able to evaluate how he operates and how his staff you know the moves that they make and the moves that they don't make so last year at the draft, once they, you know, they, they talked pretty seriously with Toronto about uh, trading the seventh overall pick for OG Ananobi. They decided not to at the end. The two guys that they were torn between with the number seven pick once they decided to actually keep it and take somebody, one of them was Shaden Sharp, who they ended up taking. And the other one was Dyson Daniels, who went one pick later to New Orleans at number right. eight. The argument for Dyson Daniels that some folks in the front office were pushing for was that he would be more plug and play and, you know, he's ready to contribute right away and be a rotation player. And then the argument for Shaden Sharp was it's going to take a little bit longer for him to get ready, but 
if he hits, he could be an all-star. And they ended up going with the guy that they thought could be an all-star if he hits. And I think in retrospect, they're pretty happy with that decision because they really like what they saw out of him, particularly over the last month of the season. The Zion Ingram thing, I feel like if you're, you know, if you're trading the pick and if Scoot Henderson is really, you know, this prospect that people say he's going to be, you better be getting something back that has a chance to be, you know, give you that kind of value. You know, Brandon Ingram, like, he's a good player, but, like, Brandon Ingram isn't changing your world. He's not, I don't think Brandon Ingram is making you a title contender. Whereas Zion Williamson, obviously, it's a huge risk with, you know, the health stuff and, you know, the work ethic stuff and the stuff with his family in his ear, whatever else. It is yeah. it, it, it is a gamble, because if it wasn't a gamble, if that stuff wasn't there, then we wouldn't be having this conversation because New Orleans would be a title contender every year and they wouldn't be talking about being open to trading him. But... That's one of the ones where, you know, it's a huge risk and it could completely flame out and he could never be able to stay healthy. And then you, you know, traded the third pick for somebody that was a bust. But we've seen every time he's been healthy, pretty much. Oh, he's, he's been a top yeah. five player in the league, like an MVP caliber guy. So knowing what I know about how this front office likes to take swings on upside when the opportunity is there, I don't think there's a better upside play than taking a shot on Zion Williamson and hoping that, you know, getting to a different situation because, you know, there have been concerns in the past about his conditioning and his work ethic and stuff. And I think the other thing that would be a good situation with him in Portland is ever since he's been in new Orleans, you have to remember he, they, you know, they won that lottery the same summer that they traded Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And ever since he got there through all of these, you know, uncertainties and these headaches about, you know, is he going to be healthy? You know, who's in his ear telling him what is he ever going to be able to play? He has been the guy that they have built that entire franchise around and centered everything around and catered everything towards since he got into the NBA. That's not going to be the case in Portland where, you know, Dame is still the guy and everything has been built around Dame and Dame is the one that sets the culture in the locker room. And you look at his track record of, you know, Yusuf Nurkic gets traded from Denver to Portland seven or eight years ago, whatever it was. And he came with these concerns from Denver about like, oh, he had an attitude problem or, you know, he, you know, whatever else. Dame, you know, obviously some of that stuff has come back up with Nurk since, since then. And, you know, he had that leg injury and he hasn't been the same guy really since then. But for those first couple of years, Dame really poured into like, we are going to get the best out of this guy. And we're going to like, Dame got Hassan Whiteside to care. So like, I think, I think the, the bet that they would be making is that being around Dame would be good for Zion in the way that it has been for other people. And that if he is able to get into, you know, the shape that he needs to get into to be able to stay healthy, that Dame and Zion together could be pretty dangerous. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think the upside is quite the same with Brandon Ingram, even if the floor is a little bit higher. I let's just say that I, I agree with you that I, if anybody, Damian Lillard, one of the great leaders in the league might be able to got, might be the guy who can, I don't say help get through, help, help focus, might be the better word, Zion Williamson. Sure. I'll just also say from everything I've heard, and probably you've heard a lot of this too, but from people I've talked to, I'll believe it when I see it. Like yeah. Just, yeah I, that's... I'm very much of the, I believe it when I see it because he's had plenty of people in his ear, plenty of things that you would think. And, and CJ, I thought did a good job with him at first, but mm-hmm. I will see. We'll see what well, we see. But the other, the other thing is that, you know, the stuff, when you're talking about people in his ear, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff that you've heard is that like his stepdad is there and it's kind of, you know, it's not, it's not, there's some awkwardness there. Right. I kind of think that going to a situation where, you know, they've, 
have this precedent in Portland of just like whatever Dame says goes as far as locker room culture stuff. It's a lot easier to tell the stepdad or whoever else in the family to fall back and, you know, not, you know, get involved with stuff when you have something like that in place. And it is in new Orleans where it's like, well, you know, who else is going to, who else you can yeah. listen to. Um, I want to bring up something you brought up before the, the buzz has been Shaden Sharp is completely off the table in trade talks. Is that true? Or, or, is there a potential scenario where it's not? I mean, if Joel Embiid asks out of Philadelphia, and okay, like like that, if it's like if it's like Embiid or Giannis or something like that, like then yeah, you probably have to include Shaden Sharp. But no, that's that's not somebody that I think they're really open to moving short of that type of scenario. Fair enough. Um, are there other teams? Obviously, the Pelicans were the really public team. Are there other teams we should be watching, looking at both? And I don't. I mean. They want to move up. They, they would talk to Portland, but also would talk to uh, potentially Charlotte, who I think would be willing to move the pick for the right deal. Although that might be one of the more predictable, unpredictable front offices, especially with the the sale situation going on there. I know Orlando really, really wants Scoot. That's something I heard going back to lottery night that they he would like, be a he would be a great fit. By yeah, the way, but, they are desperate to move up for Scoot. I don't think they necessarily have anything Portland would want because I don't think they're. Like, you know, there's this idea, you know, they could trade the third pick for the sixth pick and the 11th pick. I don't think they're really interested. That's in not some, helping it, Portland. If they're going to yeah. trade the pick, they're going to trade the pick for a guy that, you yeah. know, moves the needle in the direction of contending with Dame. And I don't think, I don't think Orlando has anybody that really fits that bill. But Orlando is a team that I've heard for a month is really, really into the idea of getting Scoot. Uh, as far as Portland trade partners are concerned. I think the other one to keep an eye on with with them, you know, besides New Orleans, if Scoot is there, is Brooklyn. Just because I know that, yeah, the player that I think, you know, if you if you could ask Dame, and you know, if Dame has said this on the record. It's not. I'm not breaking any news here, but you know, you talk. I've talked to Dame, you know, privately about this too. And you know, Dame is a guy that, like, what he says on the record is the same stuff he's going to say off the record. He doesn't really have much of a filter, but like. If you asked him if there's any player that is like semi gettable, so taking out like Jokic, Embiid, like those types of guys, Giannis, yeah. that they could go get, who is the number one guy you would want them to go get? He would tell you Mikel Bridges. And part of that is because they're friends and they work out together in the summers. They have the same trainers. So like they, and like Dame actually had him as a guest counselor for one of his camps that I covered last summer. So they have a relationship. So part of it is that. But Dame also, like, he watches his, like that dude. I don't know if you've ever talked to that dude just about the league and about, you know, the game that dude watches as much league pass as anybody. And he has very strong opinions about like players around the league and teams that he likes and doesn't like and whatever else. But he feels like Mikhail Bridges is like the exact right kind of, you know, defensive minded wing to put next to him and next to Jeremy Grant. That like, if they could get something done there, I think that would be Dame's first choice. Now, it's it's it, and it's it's actually kind of funny how the conversation has swung as it's gotten closer to uh, to the draft because when this when they moved up to three, you know there was this idea that you know maybe they would trade the third pick and Anthony Simons for Mikel Bridges and what you started hearing from the port from the Brooklyn side was no that is absolutely not happening Mikel's completely off the table he's untouchable he's our franchise player now it's kind of started to shift the other way of like. Is it worth it for Portland to do that, or would Portland have to get more back in addition to Mikael Bridges if Scoot is really as good as people say he is, or if Brandon Miller is really as good as people say he is? Would they have to get like Nick Claxton or something back in that trade too? But 
I my my point being, I I I don't know at the end of the day whether Brooklyn is going to be open to you know that type of trade. But when you're talking about the guys that they would be willing to move the pick for, you're talking about like a Mikael Bridges, a you know Zion, you know would be the home run swing. Obviously, there right. the concerns there that we talked about and the risks with the injuries and stuff. Uh, I think you know I. I think a lot of teams are kind of over dealing with Masai Ujiri at this point, just because he values his guys so high. But, you know, I think Pascal Siakam is somebody that they would be interested in if that were an option. By the way, it may be the most underrated star in the league. They should absolutely, if he be, if he were available and you could swing some sort of deal for that pick. And like you said, Ujiri, I mean, he's going to, I think they're, I think they're in trouble because he overvalued his picks, but well, he kind of overplayed his hand last year. I, I, I yeah. allude, I alluded to this before, but the Blazers were going pretty hard after OG Ananobi last year on draft night yeah, with good and, reason. He's a great player. Right. And they, and he, you know, he's you know, a defensive wing that you could put next to Dame, you know, it would have been a great fit. The Raptors wanted more than just the seventh pick for him. They wanted like, I think it was like Josh Hart, Nasir Little and another future first. And Portland, I would I would say rightfully so, decided that that's too much to give up for OG Ananobi, so they walked away. But like, and so I I, I kind of wonder if Masai kind of overplayed his hand with this because like now Pascal is going into the last year of his deal, and you know you're already seeing they probably are going to lose Fred Van Vliet for nothing this this yeah. offseason. So like, but what I'm saying is basically like when the the one like big win now move that they made last summer was trading for Jeremy Grant. And Grant was such a perfect fit with Dame, you know, because they kind of have figured out at this point that the types of guys that they need to surround Dame with. That's why, you know, I hear names like Zach Levine thrown around. They're not interested in that. Bradley Beal, now that he's available in trade, they're not interested in that because I think they've figured out that the types of guys you need to put around Dame are big athletic wings that can defend. And that's why you're seeing, you know, a guy like Mikael Bridges get thrown around or, you know, Pascal Siakam. It's a little bit of a weird fit with Jeremy, but I think you can figure that part out because I think they, they, they can complement each other. Even if size wise, it's a little bit too similar, you know, Jalen Brown, it sounds like Boston is not going to trade and is going to pay that. No, super I, 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 to, I say I, what everything I've heard about that is they want to bring him back. They still think this can work. And, right. if, and I, by the way, I know there's a lot of people out there like, yeah, did you see what Jalen said? He didn't sound like he wanted to be there. Right, that's not how I read it. They'll, I they'll, read it as he'll want to, he'll want to be there if they pay him that set that that super max dollars or whatever. Exactly. But but if there were a scenario where Boston didn't want to pay him that and he became available in trade, that's somebody that they would be interested in. But I've I've heard the same thing as you is or have that Boston isn't really moving him. But my point is, those are the types of guys that Portland is yeah. going after. With if they're going to move the pick, those are the types of guys that they want to bring in. By the way, I expect I expect Boston to be a lot better next year just because Sam Cassell is on the sidelines now and then he's he's going to bring the big balls dance and they're just going to be better. <laughs> so yeah, that's I mean that's that's a, that was that was a good hire. I mean you have to you have to Actually, also remember you have to remember like you know even putting aside the Udoka stuff which you know that was like a huge wrench that got thrown into their season like a week before training camp. You know, Damon Stoudemire, who was one of the most important assistants on Joe Mazzulla's staff, left like near the end of the season to take a job at Georgia Tech. So yes, that like, one stung. They needed that was, to. That was that was the guy. By the way, if you talk to people during the playoffs, that I was talking to people from Boston, they were saying Damon was the guy. Stoudemire was the guy who was the connection between the players and the coach. Like, yes. and when he left, that I don't want to say severed, but like the they never really replaced that. Line and and I by the way I don't totally blame 
Boston on this. That was a hey three days before camp. Boom! Like there yeah, was it's no not good like they saw, no good I don't think there. they saw the Udoka stuff coming. Oh, if they, like, look, if they saw it coming, Will Hardy would be the coach right now. Yes, they, they, it, it, who did a fantastic job in Utah. If yeah. they knew that was coming, they would never have let Will Hardy go. I do agree with you that Sam Cassell is is gonna maybe he can kind of slide into that same role that that Damon Stoudemire had. I've heard yeah. nothing but good things about him from you know his time with the Wizards and his time with the uh, yeah. Sixers. So we'll see what happens. I, as we move down this draft, the other thing I keep hearing outside of you know basically every pick in the top five being available is to expect a lot of movement in closer to where Portland's second pick is at 23. A lot in the late teens and stuff is teams want to, there's two things. There's teams trying to do what Denver's kind of trying to do. And I think the Lakers and Phoenix are trying to do, which is, Hey, under this new CBA, we got to find cheap role players. We're going to try to do it. It's almost like the NFL in a sense. They're going to try to do it through the draft. They're going to try to round this thing out through the draft now because it's cheaper and there's a the I, look would the Lakers give up 17 to move back into the two Brooklyn picks in the 20s so that they can get two guys I don't think that that kind of move which you didn't really used to see in the NBA much I think you're going to see more of in the coming years as teams try to figure out how to round out the rosters with depth and every pick is, and the picks in the high 30s count too, because I think if you get somebody at 35, it's, it's like picking late in the first, right? Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that. So are you hearing that? Are you hearing a lot of movement later in the draft? Well, I think, you know, it's exactly what you said. This new CBA is so restrictive with, uh, you know, once you get to that second apron, there's so much stuff you can't do that I think if teams can have, you know, young talent that, you know, is on a, you know, rookie scale contract where you have them on a cheap deal for four years. Like that helps, you know, if you're paying, like, let's say you're, you know, I don't, I don't know what Boston's draft pick situation is off the top of my head, but if you're Boston and you're paying Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, both a ton of money, yeah. you got to fill out the rest of your roster somehow. And you don't want to do it with just like vet min guys. You want to have, you know, young guys with upside that, you know, are under team control for several years. I think I think a thing that's going to be helpful, I think, to this, and this is something that I haven't seen talked about that much. I know it's, I think it's been reported. I actually, I mean, I actually wrote about it. So I, I don't think I was the only one that did. But uh, in the new CBA, there's a cap exception called the second round pick exception, where you basically get to sign one of your second round picks to more than just like a two-year minimum deal without dipping into your mid-level. Because in the past, like, if you draft uh, somebody yeah. in the second round and you want to sign them to a real contract, like a three or four year deal, you have to use the mid-level exception to do it. But now I think there's a thing, I don't have it, I don't have it in front of me, but there is a provision in the new CBA that if you draft somebody in the second round, you can sign them to like a three year deal under the second round pick exception. And that doesn't count towards your mid-level or whatever. So there are mechanisms, I think, in place for teams to be able to have young talent. Yeah for more years, basically to counteract just how prohibitive it's going to be to have like multiple stars making max or close to max. So I do, I do agree. And I mean, especially, you know, if, you, if you're a team like the Lakers, we're like, yeah, you traded all your future picks away in these deals for these, you know, these big stars and you still have LeBron and you still have Anthony Davis and you're going to have to presumably pay, you know, Austin Reeves to come back. And, you know, you have a couple other guys yeah. making, you know, that type of money it wouldn't be the worst thing. And then, I mean, one thing I'll give the Lakers, you know, for whatever you want to say about that front office and that organization and how they've done things the last few years, they are really good at 
scouting outside of yes. the lottery. Like you look at, you know, they found Alex Caruso, they found Austin Reeves, they they have found guys, and I think that you know that scouting department, you know, if if you're that if you're them, like you can what do you say they have the seventeenth pick? Yeah, I think so that moving back, you know, if they, you know, if 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 you're a Laker fan, you probably feel like you trust that front office if they move maybe back from that 17th pick to, like you said, the 21st and 22nd picks uh, from Brooklyn, you probably feel like there's a pretty good chance that that scouting department and that front office is going to be able to find one or, you know, at least go one for two on those guys. Yeah. I, by the way, I think the best example of what we're talking about is just to use the team that just won the title. What they just did if, during the finals. Christian, yeah, that- right. Christian Brown. You, you're going to need Christian Browns of the world. You're going to need to nail some later first-round picks that you can bring in relatively affordably who can help. I think you're going to see more guys who spent – like guys who spent two or three years in, in college and sometimes slipped to the second round might not anymore or might go pretty early in the second because teams are like, man, can this guy walk in and play tomorrow? For, for, a, for a contending or playoff team – that's going to matter where I think the upside swings are going to be the building teams can take a, Hey, we're not very good. We've got the 15th pick too. Let's, let's draft that onto the Kumpo guy and see if we can develop right. it and, yeah, exactly. right, and see what happens. But that's, but you know, there's, there's more misses and hits on those. And sometimes, you know, obviously that's the hit, but for all the misses, you've got to take some swings. And I think it's championship teams aren't going to be in a position to do that because they can't just say, well, we'll take a swing on this guy because maybe it pans out. But if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't really matter because we can just go get a bunch of guys on the vet minimum. It's it's going to be harder to put that kind of thing together. Right. Well, I mean, do you look at the Golden State has kind of tried to thread that needle yes. the last couple of years where they said, you know, look, we have this, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, this core that's been together forever and, you know, is a title contending group. But, you know, we're also going to try to develop James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga and, you know, Jordan Poole, some of these younger guys. Now, I think I think that could have worked if they had drafted the right guys. Like, if they had drafted, you know, LaMelo Ball or Tyrese Halliburton at number two instead of James Wiseman, I think we would be talking about their quote-unquote two timelines thing very differently. Yeah. Or, like, if Jonathan Kaminga was a little bit better than he is, I think they just took the wrong guys. Like, taking the swings like that can work, but it's a lot more of a risk. And if you're a team again, you know, a team like the Warriors, if you're paying Steph, Clay and Draymond a ton of money, then, you know, if you have one first, I don't, I don't even know off the top of my head, do they have a first round pick this year or, or no, they do. They have like the 19th. Yeah. 19th or something, something. Yeah. Something like that. I'll bet now, especially if, you know, and everything we've heard now, there had been kind of some uncertainty during the season. It, it sounds now like all three of those guys are going to be back. Like I think Draymond's going to stick around. I think. No, I think they're all. They, they're yeah. going to bring the core back, and then that gets interesting. I, I just that's a podcast for, we'll save for later. Right? Then. Yeah. Can you Poole might and Draymond some, actually get along. You might have so have to have someone on who knows the Warriors inside and out better than I do. But I'll bet at that nineteenth pick, if you're paying Steph, Clay, and Draymond, what you're paying them. Yeah, you're probably going to be more inclined now, and I don't even know who's going to be making that pick now that Bob Myers isn't there anymore. Is it going to be Mike Dunleavy or is it? I think Dunleavy, but I guess the the buzz has been Dunleavy and Kirk Lacobe are. I don't want to say co doing it, but they are they're the powers now. But I'll bet I'll bet when they're looking at what to do in the draft, they're going to lean more towards taking somebody who they view as more plug and play, you know, ready to be a contributor right now than 
whoever the next Jonathan Kaminga is that like, Hey, this guy could be really good in two years, but it's going to take him two years. We don't have that kind of time with Steph clay and Draymond at the age. They are making the money that they're making. Yeah. Uh, you, who, who, I mean, you've been probably watching this when you get into the twenties and teens, is there anybody who's kind of jumped out at you where you're like, I kind of like that guy. Like, I don't know if Portland's going to get him, but player X kind of jumps off the board at me. I go entirely on vibes and whether I like somebody in the draft workout interviews that we get to do. And my two picks in that regard that I think are projected kind of around that range. One of them was Max Lewis from Pepperdine who just came in today. And he seems like, you know, he he seems like, and I've, I've heard that he has a lot of upside. The other one that I'm really intrigued by is Andre Jackson Jr. Out of UConn. Not a great mm. offensive player, or at least not a great scorer, but like a, apparently a great passer for a big man and a great defender, kind of a really you know u- unique player. Like I, that's that's somebody that I'm kind of intrigued by. Uh, but this is one of the when you talk about like Portland situation, they have Mike Schmitz in their front office, so I will just yes. kind of tr- I'll tr- I'll kind of trust his judgment more than my own. As somebody yes, who yeah. watches very little college basketball, I think. I he is, he is, he, isn't he, for people who don't know, he was one of the guys at ESPN before uh, getting hired at, uh, at, uh, for the Blazers, at, by the yeah. Trailblazers. Yeah. And he, he was, was one of the drivers. Who, he was one of the drivers in the decision to take Shaden Sharp because he was one of the few guys when he was, you know, at, with ESPN and, you know, going to all these events all over the world. He was one of the few guys that had actually seen him play. Yes. Like against Mike actual competition yeah. at AAU. So, you know, I I I don't have a real feel for who, you know, they are really interested in at this at, in this in the uh, that's almost one where I kind of feel like it's kind of the same thing. Look, let's say they decide to keep the third pick and they take Scoot Henderson. That's an upside play. If right. you're gonna if you're gonna keep the twenty third pick also and take somebody, maybe you take somebody who is more plug and play and somebody who's more like, I think the, the name that gets connected to them a lot. I don't think they brought him in for a workout, but the name that has kind of been connected to them in some of these mock drafts is Chris Murray, Keegan Murray's brother, where, yes. you know, also seen as kind of similar to his brother, maybe not as much upside because he's not going to go for, no, like, he's not, he, like does, his, he does not have, he is not his brother, but, but if you, you know, people, most people I've talked to about him say, but solid, but, but, but solid rotation player. He's going to be a good rotation player and you're going to be able right. to play him from year one. And, and he's going to be, and he's going to be able to stay on the floor. That I kind of feel like that's the type of guy you're going to look at in the twenties. Whereas in the top yeah. of the lottery, you're going to want to just get the most talented player you can and worry about the fit later. Yeah. The other guy I kind of like in there is, I, I hope Sissoko, uh, the city, city Sissoko. Sissoko. They brought him in for a workout a couple weeks ago. I, I, Again, as a vibes guy, I'm a fan. Yeah, it, it, six seven wing point guard. He's got some skills, but on top of that, plays some defense. And I, there is something I think to be said, and I'm curious. It'd be fun to. You never get the truth serum on guys like Mike Schmidt or any of these scouts, but like, how much do you trust what you see from guys who play in the G League and the G League Ignite, where you're getting a certain level of competition, and co- like, because co- college can be. You're, you're talking about a guy out of Pepperdine. How do you project? I mean. I mean, you project Lillard came out of Weber State, and it turns out he, you know, was pretty good. Like, but, um, like sometimes it's just hard to project out of those smaller schools, and the level of competition. Frankly, even if you're at Duke or North Carolina or you know UCLA or pick your powerhouse school, right? 
it's still such an up and down level of competition that sometimes it's harder to judge where I'm curious. I'd be curious what they think. Cause to me, somebody coming out of, Hey, at least he played against professionals. I've got some sense of, of X. I can judge X, you know, better, but I'm also not a scout. So I, I could be horribly, horribly wrong about all of that. Yeah. I'm not a scout either. I will, I will say one thing that I think is notable is when it comes to, you know, how Portland might, approach that stuff they're gonna have a g-league team for the first time yes a while they 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 haven't announced the team they just announced you know their head coach today they announced you know some front office hires like a week ago one of the front office hires that they announced uh last week was Pooh jetter who you know had a pretty long overseas yeah. career briefly played for the kings he's 39 he had just been kind of hanging on in the g-league but he was on the ignite this past year yeah, the past two years actually, and so he. This was one of those ones where, like, when they when they announced that hire, a lot of people kind of started putting it together because he apparently was a close mentor of Scoot Henderson, and he was actually came up to Portland to watch Scoot or to be be with Scoot during his workout, and then they you know the Blazers hired him to be in the front office of their G League team a day later. But you know the fact that they are you know taking you know hiring somebody who just played for the G League Ignite to be in the front office of their G League team, and I think a lot of this is you know you can speak to you know Mike Schmitz is somebody who's gone to you know all these different corners of the world and then just scouting college or just scouting like the big international leagues. One of the guys on a two way contract for the Blazers who didn't actually play a minute this year is this kid from Senegal named Ibu Baji who. Uh, came up through the Basketball Without Borders camp and the NBA Africa Academy stuff. And that was a total, I did a story on him a few months ago. That was a total, like, Mike Schmitz was at all of these, like, under-16 tournaments in Africa, and he saw this kid and had been tracking him for six years. Like, this this is, like, like I think they're, they're, it's a front office that is willing to, you know, go to all different parts of the world and different types of leagues and different types of competition to find guys. One last question, kind of on a broader note. Are you hearing kind of what I am, which is I expect a pretty active trade and moving scenario, both the night of the draft and through early free agency, because teams are teams are so afraid of what's coming in two years that they the, the teams that want to make moves. I think all the teams that have these if questions, your 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 Phoenixes, your Lakers, like, all the teams who are like, you know, if they just do X they can really take a step forward or like, and Portland may be one of those where you're like, mm-hmm. you got to do it now. Cause it gets really hard in a couple of years. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, it, what is it? Two years from now that the, that the real, you know, apron stuff gets really phased yes, in. And it's it not this summer, but it's super, the July of 2024 where it really kicks in. Super, right? super restrictive. So yeah, I mean, you are going to see teams, I think moving stuff around or, you know, doing, consolidation or I, I guess maybe not consolidation trades, but like deconsolidation trades where if you have one guy that's making, you know, 40 million, you want to get, yeah. you know, for, you know, trade him for like two or three guys making 12 or 15 million, because then it's easier for you to add depth. Like, I think we are going to see a lot of that kind of stuff. And then even, you know, just on the high end, like, uh, you know, the, I think the biggest question about free agency is, you know, what's James Harden going to do? Is he going to stay in Philadelphia or is he going to go back to Houston? And then if he goes back to Houston, what's Philadelphia going to do to replace him? Like, are they going to try to get in the yeah. mix for Fred Van Vliet? Like, how's that going to work? Or if Harden stays in Philly, then like, what's Houston do? They have all these cap, this cap space. Do they try to go after Kyrie Irving, which, you know, that's a decision you can make, I guess. But like, they have, you know, they have all this money to throw around and then like, all, all throughout, like you have this Beal stuff kind of hanging over everything. 
now that like that's the first you know quote unquote star level guy even though he hasn't really been that the last few years that like is gonna theoretically be available to get in a trade and then there's other stuff that could come down the line it's gonna be a pretty active summer i agree i think you're gonna see i think you're just gonna see more moves now mm-hmm. than than later but it's going to be it's gonna be a wild ride draft night kind of always is though isn't it draft yeah. night never quite goes you think you think i mean it, look we know where number one is going to be, but that's it. <laughs> After that's that. it. That's the After only that. thing we know. The draft starts at two in this case. We always there's always the draft starts at you know sometimes it's four, sometimes it's three. Yeah. But this year it's I think it's two. I think it really gets rolling at two, and I think you're going to see. Um, I think it's going to be a wild night. And Sean, uh, I imagine you will be in in, a, in the Portland War Room, but to wherever they're hosting their media uh, events. Yeah, they do something at the practice facility, and then Joe Cronin is going to talk afterwards, whatever whatever they end up doing. Whether it, it was actually funny last year. They agreed to the Jeremy Grant trade the day before the draft, and then they, but the trade wasn't made official until they can't, they can't talk July about it, yeah. 6th. So Joe gets up. They, they take Shaden Sharp in the first round, and then, you know, after the draft, Joe gets up at the podium. And he's like, hey, uh, just so everybody knows, there's a reported trade out there that I'm not allowed to talk about. So I can only answer questions about our draft picks tonight. I yeah, wonder if it's going to be that type of situation with whatever they do. Or I think the, I think a few of those trades, when you're talking about, in, in particular, somebody like Miami, um, just to use an easy example, depending on how they want to structure a theoretical deal trade, and they're, they're kind of the front runners. Um, Tyler Hero is on a contract for I think five and a half, six million right now, and that jumps to twenty-seven million on July first. So how are you structuring the trade? Do you want him to be worth twenty-seven million, or you want to throw Lowry in and you know, like I mean, how are you structuring the I'm trade? So it's gonna be really interesting. Sure, I'm pretty sure, and you'd have to ask Eric Pincus this. He's gonna know this more, you know, definitively yeah. than I am. But uh, I'm pretty sure once a season is over you're trading a player at their next season salary. Cause I've gotten this question a lot. About, oh, is that okay? Maybe that's true. Maybe I've, I've, got I've gotten, wrong I've gotten this question a lot of the last few days about the Zion stuff, because Zion is in about to go into the first year of that five-year max extension. that yes. he signed. So like right now, his cap number for this past season that just ended was like 13 million. And then this coming season, it's going to be like 33, 35, something like that. My understanding is that, if they trade for Zion, they're going to have to send out thirty-five million. Imagine so. Okay, so that that makes more sense, and yeah, because otherwise you, I don't know. Sometimes there's little moves at the end to get under, but that would be earlier. So yeah, uh, there's always some juggling at the end, but it's going to be a wild night. Sean, thank you for doing this. Uh, remind everybody who's listened to all this and kind of got sucked in where they can. If you're a Blazers fan, you got to subscribe. Uh, tell them where they can do this and what they should be doing. RoseGardenReport.com, the free subscriptions or paid subscriptions. I, you know, obviously now this time of year, I'm putting a lot more of the stuff that I write behind the paywall, but I think there's a lot of insight and reporting and stuff there that I don't think you're getting from anyone else that's covering the team. So I would recommend you, I mean, I'm a little bit biased and I would like for people to subscribe, but I think, (laughs) I think I'm, I think I'm, I think if I say so myself, I think I'm giving people a quality product for the money who choose to pay for it. And then the podcast, same name, uh, Rose Garden Report, that's just free on Apple, Spotify, all the usual places that you get podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hiken, and that's about it. Yeah, and Sean, thank you so much for doing this, buddy. Hopefully, are you going to be there? Are we seeing each other in Vegas? I'll be there the first, what, four or five days, I think. I think that's, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be there then. And 
San Antonio will let me know whether I need to go to Sacramento or not. Um, I would be we'll very see. surprised if you need to go to Sacramento. Do you, do, by the way, do you think he even plays no. in Summer League? I don't think so. I think, I, I, think, I think the NBA would like for him to oh, play. Oh, God, yes. I think they'd like for him to play one game in Vegas just to be able to put it on. I think game. that that would be their ideal, but I, you know. Well, like remember, Zion, Zion played his, his, his rookie game. Uh, we played a half. Right, he I played was a half, but he still played. He still played. I, but I'll, the, I'll the, tell the you this, I think. From from a, if you want to like whatever Portland does with their pick, whether they keep it or trade it, I think it's within the realm of possibility that Shaden Sharp does the Brandon Ingram play one or two games at summer league oh, going into his second year. Really, and that'd be a good thing. He said he wants to, and I think that they, I think they, I think they would let him play one or two games and then shut him down. But so that's that's uh, within the. I haven't gotten definitive word on that, but that's within the realm of possibility. That's. I, I think by the way, you're right about Wemby. Uh, that they would ideally like him to play a game. It's just like we, you and I were talking before about this about the French French league finals that are still going on as of yeah. Like like that's he's playing. He's played as long as the guys in the NBA finals. I don't know how many of them you're going to ask to turn around and play in July. So I would get it if he doesn't. I will tell you with Shaden or anybody else. One of my golden rules of summer league: if you got regular run in the NBA. And then they put you and you play a little bit in summer league. You better dominate. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the guys, I just brought up Brandon Ingram. Remember, like his set when he was still with the Lakers, he they played they they played him yep. one game his second year, and he he dropped like forty, and they and they were just like, nope, 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 you don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. I remember my my first summer league was that was twenty twelve, which was Dame's rookie year, and both Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard played as second year guys in summer league, and. It was just like I think both of them got pulled after. I, I think Jimmy actually might have played longer because he's a psycho and he wants to play you know as many yes. games as possible. But I know Kawhi Leonard played one game for the Spurs, and then they were just like, "Nope, you're done. You don't need to do this." Yeah, if, if you you can tell the guys who get regular run, and if you can't, and there's, I remember my the first time I'm like I saw Noah Vonley when he came out the second uh-huh. year and he'd gotten some run, and I'm like, ooh. Well, that's concerning. Like, it's concerned. There are guys, it's not universal, but in by and large, if you played a fair amount as a rookie, you should own Summer League. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. Uh, Sean, the- when, we get out, when we get out there, though, I will buy you a Capriati sandwich. So That's the tradition, isn't it? I believe it is. So. <laughs> All right, I'll see you in a couple weeks, man. I'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks, everybody, for doing this. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back next week with more draft talk with uh, – just uh, we're going to drop the day before the draft uh, with uh, Corey Robinson. So thank you, everybody, for listening.